Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Jonathan Jonathan Kazarian of Excel Events about first-party data and events and First-party data will be our main topic here, but we'll be talking about a, a lot of different event uh, aspects of, of events. Um, Jonathan is the founder and CEO of Excel Events. They're a uh, leading virtual and hybrid event management platform, uh, recently recognized by Inc. 5000 as one of the top 200 fastest-growing private companies in the U.S. So these guys are pretty legit and doing awesome over there. Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, so... Um, let's jump straight into this first party data and events. Whenever I hear the word data, that's what my company does. So it spooks me a bit, um, because it can mean so many different things. So can you describe to the audience here kind of what, what is meant by first party data and how that relates to events? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, to your point, a good place to start is just talking about the different types of data we have for the past decade have lived in this world of third party data, third party cookies where we rely on the ad platform to help us figure out who we're advertising to, who we're targeting. Um, then there's second party data. Second party data would be like, let's say you're hosting a webinar. The data that you capture from that webinar is first party data for you. But if you share back like a lead list with me, that would be second party data. First party data is data that you own. It's proprietary to you. Nobody else has access to that same set of information. And the future of marketing, the decade in front of us, is going to be based on that set of information. The first party data. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of the most, I mean, my company sells data. So we're probably fourth party or something like that. We fit in the third party category, I, I believe, Yeah. Um, which obviously it's our business. So that's a pretty critical um, data source. But we always tell people that that first party data, the information you have in your CRM, your salespeople's um, contacts, uh, that's you know the Rolodex. That's the most valuable data in any company. Um, we can't sell first party because the definition of first party doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really do that. So of course, just by definition, we're selling third. But um, yeah, always most important to have your own Rolodex, your own data um, uh, in house there. So that's you're talking about that related to events. So it's the contacts you're making at events, whether you're attending event, hosting event, does it fit in all these? Yeah, scenarios? I mean, it's, it's either, um, you know, in many cases, you're getting a lot more information when you're hosting the event, but it's, it's taking that data that you're able to capture from that event and meshing it with data sources like yours, enriching it. And, uh, you know, there's information that you're going to get from those event experiences that goes far beyond what you're going to have access to in a database, because you're going to understand how people interact the specifics of the content they care about, how engaged they were, what questions they asked, what polls they participated in. And all of that information, in addition to things like contact information, allow you to reach out to folks and have a much more personal conversation in a way that you can actually understand their challenges, their pain points, what they're trying to accomplish. And along the way, you can also tie it back to experiences and emotions and feelings that were generated through an event. It's something that frankly, moves the needle right. a little bit more. So is a big part of the first party data that it's already touched? I mean, that it's, um, if if somebody went on to LinkedIn, let's say, and ran a search yeah. and found a contact they wanted to reach out to, that wouldn't be first party data yet. So is first party data relying on 
basically you've had an interaction that created this data that the data came from? Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, getting the contact information, there's plenty of mechanisms for doing that. It's not so much about just getting that contact information, but it's about what else you can figure out about that contact along the way. Right. Okay. So you have a lot of other data points than just the contact information associated, like what exactly. event uh, they were at, the interaction you had there, what account manager they spoke to, or, or all those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So let me give you an example. Let's say you're a company like HubSpot and you've got a customer who's using your marketing cloud and your CRM cloud or hub. But you notice that that same company or account or contact is checking out a bunch of sessions related to the service hub. So that type of context and information can give you a clue that this person, maybe they're up for renewal with their other service uh, SaaS provider. So maybe there's an opportunity here to reach out to those folks and figure out why were they so interested? What's the opportunity here? Right. Okay. Um, so that's the first party data in a nutshell. Anything we're missing on it or is that a pretty good, um, have we pretty much handled what first party data No, I think is? that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I'd say the, the one thing to emphasize there is you think about the different mechanisms for capturing that information. Historically, people have thought about using things like white papers and eBooks, but when you're doing that, all you're really capturing is that person's email address, the fact that they filled out that form and the story basically ends there. But in the world of events, that's just where it begins, right? And now you're getting all of those other touch points. Right, right. Okay, so we've got, I mean, we've, we've got a grasp, first party data. That's what we're looking for. Yep. And you have events. You mentioned already that, um, you know, these could be events that you're going to and visiting. They could be events that you're putting on yourself, that you have a booth in. Any type of event activity, you can get first party data because anytime you interact with somebody, you're getting first party data, right? Um, mm -hmm. But uh, what about you guys do a hybrid? You have online events and in person events and hybrid online in person events that your company does. Um, yep. I guess how, what's how's first party data changed? I mean, events have been around forever. You know, people gather right. at the bazaar and you have an event. But now we have online, of course, there's interactions there, but you've got this hybrid world. Is there anything new in the first party data area? Yeah, I mean, to your point, events are one of the oldest forms of marketing, right? They've been around since the beginning of time. But what's changed and really has changed since the pandemic is this, this role that technology has played in events. It's become the expectation, the norm. And because of that, we're using technology throughout more parts of that experience, be it a mobile app for attendees on site where they're managing their agenda, they're networking with other attendees, they're participating in that chat, poll, Q&A within the session. So now you're getting all of these additional touch points, which historically we hadn't really thought about. And for a lot of event marketers and frankly, CMOs and even CEOs, when they looked at an event or events as part of their marketing channel and events historically have made up 25 to 30% of B2B marketing expense. And for some there companies, hasn't been very probably much, much more. Or data. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is just, it's an incredibly powerful mechanism to really understand what's the, the value of this experience and how else are we getting to know our audience, our attendees throughout this process? So you to said your question, yes. When you say it's there, are you referring to the event as a powerful mechanism or... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just it's not just one event, right? It's the event program that you're building. 
it's those experiences across the course of a year. So you might have a flagship event, maybe it's an annual product launch event, but then you might do some like a roadshow where you visit 12 cities and you might exhibit at six events throughout the course of the year. And you might do some like we call ecosystem events where you take something like a Dreamforce or an inbound and you host maybe a, you know, a cocktail reception on the back of that event. And you're getting throughout all of this, all of these additional touch points. So it's, it's bringing all of that together to really understand your ICP, what they care about, what you can learn from them. And, and make those connections. I mean, first party data, I had to uh, rethink my definition a little bit of just saying, oh, it, it's the connection. You have a, an established connection already. They probably know who you are because you've interacted with them already. So the more you can do these events, uh, I've noticed for some companies, one of the main benefits of events is people see you and know you exist. It's like you're buying shelf space at the grocery store. If you're not on the shelf, nobody's going to trust you buying your product anywhere. But if they see you there regularly, they're like, oh, oh yeah, I know that brand. Um, I recognize that brand. So aside from, I guess, the direct business that can be done at events, um, it's just this branding of legitimacy opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, the, the brand awareness and the trust building components are massive. Now, I think that's a different realm outside of you know the data angle, but it's, you know, it's, it's also one of the most important reasons to be hosting events. Yeah. It's almost, I guess it's not a data point, but if you have information in your system about interactions you had with people at events, just taken for granted in that is, oh yeah, they have been exposed to our brand at this event versus when you get a list from a company like us, it's most likely they do not know who your brand is and they've never interacted with your brand. Um, so you're completely cold versus having that that existing, uh, you saw us somewhere one time type of, of a thing. Right. Um, and you know, if you look at the way that attribution models are expanding, event touch points is becoming you know, one of the major inputs into those attribution models. Do you think since events have come back live post-COVID here, um, are people putting more value onto the live event experience just because it was gone for a while? Yeah, there was definitely a little bit of a bump because of that. We're still seeing that virtual demand is about four times higher than it was in 2019. So that's, you know, that, that is a, a massive increase in the demand for virtual. But what, what we're more seeing is just the way that people are rethinking their event program with that meshing of, of virtual and in-person experiences. The attendance rates for in-person are right around where they were in 2019 now. Um, so it's, it, it may feel like this massive surplus or, or drive towards it. Um, and I think the work from home movement has has escalated that a little bit as well, because companies are also using attendance at events as a way to get their team together. And we actually did that oh. recently <laughs> at IMAX, which is a big industry event. Right. So the event is almost like an office party uh, as well. Yeah. It's an excuse to get everybody together. Like, we know you hate coming to the office, but how about a cocktail party at this event? Yeah. That's great. That's great. Uh, so first party data events, big part of that is... You know, we're not scrolling people's names on stone tablets here, capturing that data and how to capture. I know that's changed over the years. I remember, you know, it was just get business cards from people that you talk to and write down notes one step above maybe uh, uh, scrolling things on a stone tablet. Um, eventually, we got to entering things on a tablet and, um, you know, there's the scanners uh, to scan people's badges, buying a list of contacts from from events sometimes is possible. But um, 
what's what's out there now? What's what's to capture this first party data? What techniques are people using? Is it all of that stuff? Is there anything new? Yeah. So the point I'm I'm emphasizing here is that that stuff doesn't really matter. What matters is the other things that you're getting beyond their email address and their name. So when you're hosting the event, you know which you, you know all of the information I referenced already, right? The session attendance, the engagement levels, and that information is automatically captured when you use a platform like Excel Events. So that's where the technology is coming into play. It's it's assisting you to figure out all of that information, pass it into your CRM, your marketing automation platform, or your your data warehouse. Um, it's not about hey, you know, we have a prettier interface on an iPad to catch somebody's email address, right? There's you're not doing anything more than a white paper or ebook download there. So it's really about understanding that, that, that person, that human at a deeper level. Okay. And what's being done to do that though? Where's this additional data coming from? Is there right? So like on, on... in person it's coming from the, uh, the app that attendees are using. Mm-hmm. Where is this information do... that they enter in or is it recording their, their interaction kind of in different ways? Yeah. So it's, it's recording their interaction because they're interacting through the technology. Right. Okay. Like, like again, the chat pulling Q and a, uh, looking at session slides, networking with other attendees, booking meetings with other attendees, that so, information is all being captured through the app. So does your application allow people that are at the event to find each other in the application and communicate like a mini social yeah, media absolutely. network or something. That's great. Yes. I was at an event pre COVID years ago and they had an app and I was looking and I was like, I want to reach out to a couple people and poke. I know they're at this event. I need to find them. I wish there was a way in this app, the attendees could communicate with each other. Uh, and, and there just wasn't. So it's uh, great to hear that that functions in there. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just like, here's a list of attendees, but let's make the most of your time, right? Who are the attendees that based on your previous interactions are going to be the attendees that are worth your time meeting with, right? You have a limited time window, two, three days while you're at this event. Let's make sure that we can make the most of it. Yes, absolutely. That's always the thing for me is I need to actually meet with people when I'm there. Honestly, most marketing departments don't do a great job pre-event of setting things up and and um, getting all that stuff done so the more you can kind of live um interact with people and set things up uh, that that's always good as as well um so i want to get more to your platform a little bit later right now some more general event stuff i'd love to know mm -hmm. like what are your favorite um techniques your favorite practices at events there's a couple things that people could uh could take and maybe um apply themselves Yes. Yeah, so are you asking the question from the perspective of hosting an event or uh, or attending an event? Uh, either one. I mean, marketers do all of them. So just make yeah. sure we know which one we're talking about here. Definitely. So our focus is much more on the event organizers, the people hosting the events. Okay. Uh, in terms of things that organizers can do to really ensure that their events are successful. So one one trend we've seen is workshop style events, right? The idea of going in person and sitting in a classroom, that's um, that's sort of behind us, right? If, if, if you're looking for a pure content-driven experience, virtual is a better mechanism, right? Rather watch at home with less distractions. Right. You're talking about um, watching speakers or something like that. You go, you sit, right. somebody's speaking, you get up, you go to the next session. Um, right. 
You mentioned earlier the the in-person is about where it was before, but there's way more online stuff. And it seems to me, and I'm sorry to sidetrack the uh, the discussion here, but um, it seems because you can go virtually, there's probably just way more people total going to events because the overhead's removed. Now it's like, oh, I can just log on or not for an hour here and there. I don't have to get a hotel room and a ticket and, and fly out somewhere and do all this other logistics. Uh, just yeah i mean assuming the event is is virtual or has a hybrid component absolutely yeah okay excellent so sorry back to the uh yeah the point of hand here so so one of the trends that we're seeing when it comes to those in person experiences as you know we talked about networking already but but one of the best ways to create networking opportunities is not just you know hey here's a list of connections we think you should meet with but let's create an environment where people can meet and interact with each other so in the event world, one of the big trends right now is workshop, workshop style sessions. Could be a two-hour working session. There is a moderator, MC. People are sitting at tables of eight or 10 folks. And every half an hour, you're rotating tables. You're meeting more people. You're working through a challenge or a problem together. Each group is presenting. And then what happens from, from all of that is you're getting to know 20, 30, 40 people at the event. And then you run into those people and you introduce them to others and that type of experience is is just thriving right now in the in-person world. Again, because there's so many other ways to do just the pure educational content. So it's like a business version of a Build-A-Bear birthday party. <laughs> I haven't done one of those in a very long time, but yes. As you can tell, I have uh, young daughters. <laughs> um, okay, fantastic. So workshop sessions. I know I've been to a couple data events that I think had uh, something like that going on. People were actually working through things and they were, you know, it was yeah. like, a, it was like a classroom kind of, but more than a lecture classroom. It was like a interactive uh, lab classroom type thing. Um, fantastic. And that's for the organizers to look to create uh, kind of to get more um, interaction from their attendees with each other. So that's great. Then the attendees are getting more first party data that way. They're making more connections. Um, other than improving the event experience for the attendees with something like that, is there a direct data benefit to the organizer? Yeah. So so the, the data benefit from the organizer is when you, you create interactivity. So things like answering a poll or voting on something during that session. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you're giving the organizer information to hand off to the sales team to follow up with those attendees based on. Mm. So it's a lot more difficult to get people to answer a poll when they're sitting watching a speaker speak on a topic. So you're saying when you get them interacting, they're already doing stuff, then you you can you can include in these different interactive type things and it's it's way more natural to uh to, to happen. Uh, I don't know that it's necessarily any more challenging to get them to participate when it's purely a speaker talking. The interactive elements are more because people, the attendees themselves, feel like they're getting more benefit, not from a data perspective, but just from a, a networking interaction perspective. Right. Okay. So I guess, you know, we think about those as two, two isolated components, right? The data that the organization that's hosting the event is capturing, that is one channel, and then the experiences that you create to make the event as valuable as possible for the attendees, that is a different focus. I love that point, as valuable as possible to the attendees, because we think, oh, they signed up for the event. We have their information. It doesn't even really matter what goes on at the event. Like, 
they need to have a good experience and takeaway. You probably want to do this event again. And that first party data benefit I was mentioning of they've had the interaction with your brand, it really helps when it's a positive interaction. So if you have a shitty event, sure, you got all this data, but one of the data points that you probably didn't record is that people had a bad experience uh, overall. So yeah, the good experience aspect should not be discounted there in the uh, in the data, I suppose. Yeah, um, definitely. And then I suppose, I mean, I've seen events that have a, um, a survey, a post-event survey where they ask things like that. So maybe it does become a data point, whether a lot of people had a decent experience at the event or not. Right. I mean, that's one of the things that you can do just for making your event even better next time, right? Understand which speakers had the highest ratings, which topics had the highest ratings, and then figure out things like, okay, you know, we hosted an event that had 30 different sessions on it. What are the similarities between where attendees might have, uh, you know, 80% of the attendees who joined session A also joined session B? What does that tell us about the interest of these attendees? How can we personalize our follow-up communication based on the insights that we're gathering from that. Right. It, it dawned on me that at some events, there's always paid speakers or almost always paid speakers, but then there's also frequently speakers that pay. So you have this dichotomy. And I'm, I'm thinking that uh, when you're measuring how popular a speaker was, that could affect is somebody going to transition from paying to come and speak at an event to being paid to come and speak at an event? Maybe you don't want to share that data with them then. Like this guy's paying every year. Let's not let him know he's yeah. he's a big draw and we should be paying Chances him. are if they paid one year, you can get them to come back for free next year. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. If somebody pays and then you say, hey, you want to come again and not pay us? Yeah. Right. They'll, uh, although maybe uh, uh, an idea for, for event organizers if you're worried about the quality of the speakers, which is typically the amount of effort they put into it, not whether they can pull it off themselves. Um, if you let them know that the top speakers will be asked back uh, for free next year, they'll probably put a lot more effort into their, uh, you know, some of these events have so many speakers um, that they're, they're really just looking to grab somebody from every company that's, that's coming or something like that. And, and, included it as part of their package to speak. Um, yeah, maybe incentivize yeah, I mean, them. One thing that events themselves, they're a brand, right? Or they could be a mini brand as part of, you know, inbound is a mini brand as, as part of HubSpot. And you have to be, you know, like anything with your brand, you have to be very conscious and mindful not to, uh, not to put some content out there that is going to hurt your brand. Yeah. Back to the good experience part. Um, right. Quickest so, way to kill so, an event. Yeah, being for mindful next year. of the speakers that you are allowing, even when they are paying. I do remember again pre-COVID going to an event, and they were notorious. People knew ahead of time, and I heard them talking about this when they got there. This event was known for its food. People are like, oh yeah, they have the best food. <laughs> I was like, of all the details, I'm like, yeah, I guess as an event, I mean, some people there's certain events they want to go to just for the experience of the event. Um, you know, not so much for the business, but for the fun, a lot of people that, that go to these events in person, but, uh, the food, I was like, yeah, I've been to some events with some pretty crappy food and, uh, it's maybe an overlooked detail sometimes, but having, being known for really nice food is not a necessarily a bad thing. It all goes into that experience, uh, overall experience bucket. It certainly does. Now, what about, um, most of this has been about the event organizers and, mm -hmm data benefits for them. 
when it comes to the attendee experience, what kind of things should attendees expect the organizers to be providing for them to have a better data experience? Like, is there is there data push? You know, we talked earlier about being able to find people and interact with them. That improves the experience at the event. And it also helps not just, not you, but your attendees gather first party data better and, and whatnot. So I don't think attendees are attending events looking for first party data, right? Because, you know, again, when we think about first party data, we're not, not thinking about contacts and email addresses. We're thinking about much deeper interaction level information. So you're not going to turn that information over to attendees. Attendees are there because they want to build relationships. I'm stuck on the, uh, so you, on the contact information. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're talking uh, about you, you as, the, as the event organizer can help your, your attendees with building relationships, right? And that's where we talked about the way that the technology plays a role in, in helping them to find those connections. Some events go as far as pre-booking and pre-scheduling meetings between attendees because that's the big mm-hmm. emphasis of those events, right? It's creating social environments where they can get to know each other. And yes, from a data perspective, you can you can provide follow-up information to those attendees and say, hey, you know, here are the 27 people that you met. Here's their LinkedIn profile and their email address. And you know, we, we hope that you continue that relationship and you as the organizer can go on and host file, follow-up events. Maybe it's a virtual event. Maybe it's a, a smaller series of other events where you're inviting that audience back together. And then you're marketing to that person saying, hey, these 11 people that you met uh, you know, of the 27 originally, they're going to be at this other event that we've got coming up in six weeks. We'd love to see you there. right? So helping them to build relationships is incredibly powerful. And then if you do that, your brand becomes the catalyst for that, right? You're you're the epicenter of the community that's evolving because of all of these incredible people that you bring together. Yeah, it dawns on me that I mentioned my fear of the word data since that's what we do and it can mean so many things. Um, yeah. Event is kind of the same. There's so many different types of event when you just say event. It's like, what kind of event is it? Is it online? Is it in person? What's the purpose of the event? Is this a trade show? Is this a lead gen event? Is this a speaking session? Is this a learning event? Um, it, it just dawns on me. There's well, so many layers to events. There are. And you just brought up a great point, which is what is the purpose of an event? And events sit at different levels of the funnel as well. So you may have a product launch event or a, a customer success event, and that's at the, you know, the very bottom of the funnel. But you may be participating in an event, doing something like having a booth at a trade show where you're at the very top end of the funnel, right? Or or maybe you're just advertising the fact that you're hosting an event also at the very top end of the funnel. So there's a lot of different components across the funnel that that you need to be mindful of when you're designing your event and your event programming. It is its its own world, I guess, in that, and you alluded to this earlier, but some events are put on by companies and some events are the company themselves. Like it's the whole company is just putting on an event or a series of of, of events because it's such a big deal in, in certain spaces. Right. You'd also mentioned the lead gen events. Most people have probably seen emails promoting these and stuff. I feel like it's kind of a new thing, but the pitching like, hey, we'll we'll set you up with so many meetings at this event. Um, yeah, hosted buyer events. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's really just saying we're going to do lead gen for you and tie it to an event as a purpose kind of, um, but that seems like it's typically or probably exclusively that is what the company does. They're more of an event slash lead gen company, not somebody putting on an event and they have this aspect to it. But 
Yeah. The ability for the attendees to create the first party data to make the connections um, that that does seem like a huge plus in most event types, I, I, I guess I'd say. And I, I see you um, you know, mentioned the workshop sessions helping workshop sessions. That's a hard thing to say. Uh, helping with uh, with that. Any other aspects? And let's kind of transition into your guys, your you know your platform um, at Excel Events and and what it does. Any other specific functions, features, stuff like that that help the the both the organizers, organizers and or attendees, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so for us, the way that we're supporting the customers that we work with is is by being one true platform that they can use to facilitate all those different types of events that we talked about today, right? Everything from webinars through, uh, you know, large scale conferences and trade shows of tens of thousands of, of people. And then capturing all that information across all of those different experiences to help our organizers better understand their attendees. So again, they can arm the sales team and the account managers with the way that they interact with that audience helping account managers know which events they need to be at because their sales team or their customers are going to be there so that they can meet them face-to-face and, and, and interact with them. Uh, in terms of the, you know, the features that go into that, um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do a feature dump here. But I was going to say, it's, it's perfectly fine for you to say, I don't want to talk about individual features, but if there's anything you're yeah, no, I, I don't really want to get into individual features, but it's for us, it's, you know, we're building technology to make life easier for event organizers. Hosting events, if you've done it before, it's it's hard enough. If we can help organizers get even 15 minutes more sleep the night before, you know, before their event, we're doing our job. 15 minutes of sleep the night before an event. That would be nice. That's my getting, biggest. Getting 15 minutes more sleep, right? <laughs> if you've hosted an event of a thousand people before, you probably got two hours of sleep the night before that event, if you were lucky. Yeah, that's just attending events. My worst, the worst thing for me always is getting enough sleep and being rested and the multi-day events. I'm just like, you could, I don't know, anything you want to measure on me, the more days you have, the worse I am at an event. You just degrade over time. I'm sure some people are a a red eye back from a three-day conference on the West coast during Vegas. Oh yeah. And I'd say Vegas is the, probably the worst, although all events have a heavy amount of drinking usually going on, but, uh, staying up late and drinking and all that kind of stuff just doesn't function well with a, having a brain work the next day. I do like um, being there early on the floor at some events the day after the day after any day of the event and just seeing the condition of the people that are there early that for the company that have to be there or the booths that just are unmanned at first because people just didn't make it. Um, it's, it's a sad, the, an event floor the morning after is always a very sad place. Uh, when you see how miserable people could be sometimes having to have gotten up early and pull themselves together. Right. You know, that's interesting. You bring that up because it's, it's another component on the data side. So when our organizers are using us to host a trade show and they've got say, you know, hundred, 200 exhibitors on the trade show floor that are using our lead capture, lead scanning technology, you can see in real time how many leads are getting captured by each booth. And if you notice that, hey, this booth didn't get anybody until 1130, you know, that next morning, or one of these reps is doing 10x, you know, the volume of another rep, you've got the opportunity to coach them on the spot. And if you're the company who's responsible for selling sponsorships, that's how you generate your revenue. You've got the opportunity to go up to that person on, you know, on the show floor and be like, hey, 
we, we see that you're not getting leads out of this. Like, what can we do to help you here so that they don't come up to you after the event and say, Hey, we're not going to sponsor this again next year. It wasn't worth it for us. Yeah. Here's some Gatorade and some coffee and a little hangover helper (laughs) smack them on the ass and say, get back out there. (laughs) Maybe minus that last part. You can't get away with that. Um, all right. Fantastic. So I want to jump back with the time we have left here. I want to jump back a little bit and um, talk a little bit about you. You started this company and I'd just like the listeners to know kind of where you came from. How do you start an event company? What's the, what's the story there? And then we'll uh, transition seamlessly into uh, Excel events itself. Yeah. So I started the company eight years ago and um, not intentionally, actually, I, I had been hosting events for a variety of you know reasons, and uh, um, I had found out that my cousin at the age of 17 uh, got sick, and I wanted to do something for her. So I ended up renting out the aquarium in Boston and hosting a thousand-person fundraiser. And going into that event, I looked around, and there just wasn't any good technology to help us run that, that event. So I ended up working with a friend and building out our own solution. We got great feedback from, from the attendees and the organization that we put the event on for and decided to launch a business around that. So that was sort of the beginning. I, said- at the time, was working at a, uh, a data-driven hedge fund so uh, in a software group there. So so my world was software and data, right? And then on the side, I've been hosting events. So uh, this just became this incredible opportunity for mesh, you know, for me to mesh these these three things I was, I was really passionate about. Hmm. And... Uh, you know, one thing you understood another, the software work. side already. That can be a total yeah. disaster. If somebody says, I have this idea, I want to do it. I don't know anything about the software or who to have do it. Um, <laughs> so I had a basic understanding. I, you know, I'd say for the most part, I was self taught. I'd never, I was 24 at the time, I'd never taken a course on, you know, computer science or anything like that. But um, that's that's where it came from. And, and today we're uh, almost entirely focused on, on B2B and corporate events. And uh, just helping organizers to to drive more business with events and create better customer experiences. Fantastic. Um, you mentioned also what eight years ago, something like that. You started. I imagine there were event software. It was probably just very legacy, kind of uh, extremely expensive, and um, from the nineteen eighties or something like that uh, in how it functioned. Yeah, so it's sort of a mixed bag. There were. Some legacy tech out there. There was some tech that was expensive. There's some tech where, like, you know, it was more affordable, but the support was horrendous. And we built our company around support. There was there was days in the beginning where I remember pulling over on the side of the highway on a Friday night to to take you know support messages. And um, we today our median response time on support is 26 seconds on chat support. And we have 24 seven phone support and email support. Uh, and chat support in the world of events it's you spend months building this experience that culminates in a couple of hours you don't have even 10 minutes to wait for a response and we knew that going into building an event tech company and that's been at the heart of of what we've done and what we do and the way that we support our customers that's a great point it reminds me of the kind of early 2000s i was in a marketing agency that was setting up and running webinars which were really difficult to pull off back then um it just, and five minutes was, you know, when you had 500 people logging on to a webinar with the technology back then and things started crashing, um, five minutes was an eternity. Five minutes was everybody's gone for this webinar. Yeah. You spent, you well, know, that's still true six today. Months. 
Yeah. Yep. The technology is a lot better in general, but yeah, your support mention um, when something's well, happening, yes, but, you I mean, need the, support now. You need it now. Right. And it's, support doesn't mean that there's a bug, right? Support means I've got this thing I want to do, right? I want to change an experience on the fly. I want to add a new session. I want to um, you know, transition people from one session to another because I have this this speaker who in my data, I could see there's a ton of interest for the speaker and they offered to do a Q&A, right? So it's, it's being able to have access to a team that's going to help you get whatever it is that you need to get done while you've got 2 million other things going on. Oh yeah. It's not necessarily something's broken. Typically it's more a right. question. How do I simple question that somebody doesn't, you know, back in the day it was, how do I hear the audio? Where's the audio? It was like, turn on your speaker. Um, yeah, those, no, those it's, not, it's not really about like, to your point, the technology has gotten so much better. And, you know, anybody who is in the event tech world knows that first and foremost, uptime is your number one responsibility. And uh, that goes into every design and engineering decision that we make. So when we think about support, it's it's more really success. How can we make sure our customers are creating the experience that they want to create, not how do I get the audio to work? Yeah. Although the how do I get the audio to work, it just dawned on me uh, when you talk about support. Uh, applications like Zoom, it would be really nice if when people first logged on, the mute button just like throbbed really large. <laughs> yeah. To, and to we be like, actually do things like that in our platform. Look, it's right here. Unmute yourself. Yep. Um, you, because that's a problem that just seemingly hasn't been solved. It's seen as a human problem. I imagine you run into a lot of these where it's like, well, they should just unmute it. And you're like, but a large portion of people don't. So really it's up. If you can come up with a solution to help people do the thing that they want to do, but aren't capable or figuring out necessarily, it's, it's a big deal. Sometimes it's like, Hey, this car has a bigger cup holder. I'm going to buy it instead. You're like, but that's a silly little thing. Like, but that's what they want. That's the, buying. the experience. Yeah. That's the one thing they have. Cause everybody else has all the same stuff, all the same feature. Like you said, you don't want to talk features. Everybody has the same features. You can come out with a new feature and somebody else will have it next week. doesn't matter that much. Um, but those kind of UX things, the support overall is probably the ultimate user experience is, is that support and being able to get answers quick and get things done. Um, so when you mentioned support, is that for the event um, organizer or the attendees or both? It's primarily for the organizers and the exhibitors and the speakers. But, uh, you know, if, if there's we, we built the system so that the attendees don't need support. Right. Well, I guess if they need support, they'll go to the organizer. And if it has to get escalated to you, it'll get. Yeah. Escalated but again, you know, we've done everything we can to to automate that process and ensure it's seamless and everything flows for 10 days. So that's just not really uh, an area where it's much needed. Not an issue is a great uh, answer to just about any question. What about XYZ? Not an issue. doesn't come up. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. We, I mean, our, our, our team's available, but they don't get questions because it's, it doesn't come up. Doesn't that's fantastic. Well, that means you, you designed a good, um, a good setup there. Um, so, Anything you see coming down the pipeline here? Like, what do you think events are going to be in the next in the next five years? What's 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 going to be changing that people can expect? With everything that's happening between third party cookie tracking and uh, AI, ChatGPT, digital marketing as we know it is just it's getting flipped on its head right now. For that reason, mechanisms, opportunities for creating authentic content are going to be 
so much more valuable and powerful. And if you think about what those mechanisms are, mechanisms, the the number one is events, right? There is no faking what takes place at an event. Somebody standing in front of the room presenting a new idea, a new thought, uh, organic conversation that flows and takes place, whether virtually or in person. We hmm. think that the organizations that are going to thrive over the next decade are those that really lean into creating environments for authentic human connection with their brand ultimately at the center of all of that. And when you take your customers, your advocates, and you put them in front of your prospects, that's where the magic happens. Mm. We had a guest uh, a while back now, and he was pushing, it's been a while, but he said the most human brand wins. That's where things are going. And that does seem to be, the more digital we get, the more yeah. Do you want to know if you're getting catfished by a business AI? Go to an event. <laughs> Find out if that persona is real or not when they don't show up. You know? uh, how many of us, you the, your first interaction with a business, frequently that person doesn't exist these days. Um, and you, you go to reach out to them and uh, it's always someone else getting handed off to because that, that's not a real person. That's an online persona. Um, yeah, that human interaction, that um, that actual live experience I do like that it's increasing in value over time. The more digital yeah, we have. Going back to our roots. Yep. Um, hard to take that away. The the power of in-person, uh, real, live, authentic interaction until we until we get into the matrix and then you can't tell at all. But until then, this is very valuable. Um, so can you give us a little, uh, I mean, I guess an elevator pitch, tell um, the audience here a little more about Excel events, specifically what you guys do. You're helping event organizers, um, where they can find you, uh, anything, you know, platform, sign up, uh, demo type stuff, trial version, any of that kind of stuff you have going on. Yeah. So you can find all that information online at excelevents.com, A-C-C-E-L events.com. You can stop, sign up give the platform a spin. You can request a demo and we'll jump on the phone with you same day and walk you through it. Make sure that uh, you're ready to go. And uh, in terms of what the platform itself does, it's going to help you do everything from building your event landing pages, setting up registration, integrating with the rest of your tech stack, helping to, well, not helping, facilitating the entirety of a virtual experience, hybrid or in-person, providing solutions for on-site badge printing, mobile app for attendees, lead capture for exhibitors, you name it, we've got it in one platform so you don't have to worry about connecting different tools together to get the outcome that you need. Fantastic. And then um, you mentioned tech stack. Any favorite other techs for people to use alongside Excel events? Bring your own CRM. Uh, most common are HubSpot, Salesforce, uh, and then Marketo and Pardot on the marketing automation side. A lot of customers use Zapier. Zapier is actually a customer of ours. They host their product launch events on our platform. Um, but you know, once you get Zapier connected, then you're good to go with just about any other tool out there. Yeah, CRM. That is a very central. I think the C stands for central in that. Not really. Please don't. Please don't send me messages on that one. Um, uh, centrally important piece of software there for, I guess, housing all this first party data and and, and letting your salespeople act on it. Uh, fantastic. Um, you mentioned uh, going to the site. That's excelevents.com. We'll have a link to that on the show notes at ifyoumarket.com for this episode as well, um, as well as some contact information for Jonathan. We'll put up your your LinkedIn page there. Anywhere else uh, 
people could uh, could reach out to and connect with you? No, LinkedIn's a great spot. I post pretty frequently on LinkedIn. So uh, introduce yourself and uh, hopefully we can connect. Or uh, find Jake out Zarian, what event he's going to uh, be at. Yeah. Coming up. Find, find out what event you're going to be at and uh, interact on the uh, on the app there to, to, to set up to connect with you. Uh, fantastic. So um, check out the show notes at ifyoumarket.com for more information on Jonathan uh, Kazarian. And um, please do uh, follow us on social media. Share the uh, share the podcast here around. And on behalf of the If You Market team and Jonathan Kazarian of Excel Events, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with first party data and events, they will come. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns? But list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out Top Data Search by Mountaintop Data. At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.